This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art history, a little change of pace, specifically through the cultural movement that is surrealism. Today, I am again joined by one of our top contributors, one would argue a cultural movement himself, Mr. T. Buck. Welcome, T. Buck. Did you do your homework? I hope you did. A lot to talk about today. I did. And, and while I was doing it, I uh, managed to avoid a Donnie Darko type um episode where um we had a plane <laughs> flying over us i this is the, i'm not making this up oh yeah i a, saw that in the news you guys had, like the engine <laughs> failed and like, like a mile away into, from here yeah a mile a, away from where you live yeah yeah no there oh, my i have neighbors have that have found debris in their yard that's crazy so i i live that's another crazy day crazy jesus christ you can't stop me T-Buck. We are here, and we are here to talk about surrealism. Now, surrealism is important for so many different reason, reasons, but uh, we're going to frame it this way with our thesis. It's, God, it's beyond any other movement I can think of that is simultaneously timeless and progressive at the same time and still lingers in a lot of different kind of contemporary art to, that we see to this very day. We see it almost everywhere, and it started from a very poignant movement uh, that we can uh, put a needle down in time and be able to talk about it like this and see how it's evolved and changed and really just oh god uh infiltrated every type of different kind of art art that we love so much and how it affects us because unlike a <laughs> unlike a landscape or a bowl of fruit uh which you know that's that has its place i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shit on a bowl of fruit art uh but you know that kind sounds of like imagery... something that's never been done before <laughs> That's so simple, right? You know, there's something about surrealism and surreal art that 
transports the viewer. I mean, it's often, it can be transcendental. It can make you think about things so different, differently from just an image or a photograph or a movie. It, it could essentially change and even reshape how we think about the world, about our own lives, about humanity, existentialism. It's fucking huge. I think I sold it very well. But before we can really dive into understanding the movement, the cultural movement, we need, of course, a little background. The word, the word was coined in 1917 by Guillerme Apierner, and with all the homework that I did, it would be it could be argued that he is the true godfather of surrealism. The years of consistent activities were from the 1920s to the 1950s, and from Mr. Guillerme, it actually sp- broke into two factions, two groups, if you will, of uh, surrealist uh, creators and uh, cultural movers that wanted to do, take the movement into different directions. Now, uh, what who's often considered the godfather of surrealism, though I would argue is Mr. Apirinaire, is uh, you will consistently see this name in the history books. His name is Andre Breton, because uh, part of that reason is because when it was just percolating in the 1970s. So the, uh, yeah, at the end of the 1910s, it wasn't technically a movement yet. And when these two factions created <laughs> manifestos, actually written documentation about what the what the movement is and what they want to be, uh, that we that it essentially became official. And Andre Breton was one of the biggest ones on his side of the faction. It, it, we should also point out how much World War One had an influence on this movement. Well, okay, yes. I, I want to get to that. Okay. So uh, I'm going to get to... I don't want to... tend As we all know, this isn't a political show. It's not a history show. It's an art show. So we're just going to touch very lightly on that part. But yes, I do want to get to that. And um, uh, before we get to that, I do want to talk about how Breton wanted to put this movement into a lot of different things. Uh, literature and films and photography and theater and music and i don't want to dive into all of those we would be here for all fucking day if we did that um just want to touch on the highlights so uh, surrealism was of course influenced by dadaism which often rejected logic and reason and instead focused on nonsensical things or uh, rational imagery and we see that easily through uh sur- different kind of surreal surreal works and um, it was often, to touch on your point, Buck, it was often anti-elite, anti-establishment, anti-bourgeoisie. And I'll let you talk about a little bit of the activism, the the framing of them creating these works as an antithesis to so much of that. A big sea change in, in, in globally, especially in Europe, right after World War One. I, I think from a general public perspective... We, we had never seen a horror uh, as a human race quite on that level before. Sure. Um, that was man-made, really. Yeah. And so there was a lot of disillusionment with how the structure of society, how things were. It, it really was the kind of the, the end of the old world order um, with uh, kingdoms and um, monarchies, it, although they still exist to an extent today. Obviously, they're not as powerful um, and then, and it pushed into the movement and it pushed into the movement and, and what we'll, you know, we'll kind of, I think, talk about later is there was, a, there was kind of two camps and, and one person kind of drove it one way, another person drove it other, but 
Um, even though this is, like you said, not a political show, politics was a big part of the surrealism movement. Played a role, sure. All the way up until it kind of sort of ended up until World War Two. Two. Um, yeah. Europe was, you know, you saw the rise of national socialism and fascism throughout the the continent. So it, it, it's amazing how this this one movement really played kind of a key role in a lot of how we think today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And unlike, uh, before we get to that, you know, I do want to say unlike Dadaism, though, surreal, surrealism was wanting to push those limits to the edge, to the brick, and even push through them sometimes. So we saw imagery that was otherworldly. In our pre-show uh, talks about this, you know, we, we there is a lot of psychology influence, Freud, different things that we want to talk about and touch upon that in our discussion section, which we'll do here in a minute. But I feel like uh, to really come into the discussion part of the show, we want to go into what's called the golden age of surrealism. And this occurred during the 1930s. Uh, and this is where uh, it, it started to get more international fame and even, you know, I remember as a kid when this was brought up in like high school, you know, English class or stuff like that, there would always, it was always be framed around Salvador Dali and Rene Magritte. And that's kind of where I want to frame a lot of the discussion. And then we can talk about the things around that. Uh, because this is, you know, to this day, this is when you think of surrealism, the, the traditional artistic uh, surrealism, like um, paintings and things like that, we, of course, think of Salvador Dali's persistence of memory. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you'll definitely know it this way. It's the fucking melting clocks piece. And um, and we'll talk about Rene Magritte here in a minute. Now, uh, I, I have uh, the persistence of memory pulled up right now, and it is everything that that embodies surrealism into the social consciousness of how we think about the movement and the imagery and things like that, often with melting um, stuff, molten stuff. There's a lot of movement in the piece. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Actually, I've had the pleasure of seeing this in, in the flesh. It's uh it's oh, wow. tiny. It's not, a, I thought it was like a big oh, really? piece. A little piece. Like how yeah. big, like show me with your hands. I, uh, so it's like this, it's probably like that big. Think about, uh, think about the size of uh, an album, like a vinyl okay. album. It's like gotcha. that. No, that that makes sense. Hmm. I I never knew that. I didn't know it was that small. I always thought it was like a big mural almost. Yes, uh, that's exactly how I thought about it. And I was a kid. Uh, you know, part of this show is uh, <laughs> because I'm absolutely in love with surrealism. I did want to talk about a little bit of uh, how I got into this. So imagine a, that instead of having like. Britney Spears or whoever on his wall had Salvador Dali fucking pieces like taped Ooh. to his wall. I was wow. that kid. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, <laughs> I was that kid growing up. That's how much I loved. That's how much it, it speaks to me, this stuff. And talking about Rene Magritte's work, you know, he's, he's so Rene Magritte, if you don't know who that is, I know you've seen his, uh, anybody uh, listening to this show right now, you, I know you've seen this guy because this is the guy that has the famous uh, man in a bowler hat pieces. So it's like just a man, straight image of him, and there's always something in front of him. There's a bird, there's an apple, uh, and uh, that, of course, for some reason, that really resonated with people more than some of the really weird, fantastical shit. Yeah, that I we've seen in surrealism. But the one that really stuck, uh, really stood out to me was this is not a pipe piece. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, it's just 
it's the one just with the pipe, right? It's literally, yeah, that makes yeah, it sound but it's stupid. Not a pipe. But yeah, so so he, <laughs> it's just an image of a pipe, and uh, underneath it, I don't I don't remember the language it's written in, but uh, it's written in uh, uh, a non English language. But when you translate it, it says this is not a pipe. And what is happening there is on the surface, you're like, no, that's definitely a pipe. What he's saying is this is not this is not a pipe in the context that you're looking at a picture, you're looking at mm. a painting, you're looking at a two dimensional thing. This isn't a pipe. And I, I that's where it started to change for me. And I think for other people is this this use of double think. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty cool. I mean, w- when I was reading up on that, too, I, I, I saw that and I could see how like people originally they would look at this and be like well, that is a pipe that's that, that what, is a that's pipe. a pipe and then you start thinking about it and you're like it's not a pipe i get it i get the point that you're trying to make and i think that's what is great about you know different movements and arts or art pieces especially uh surrealism is that it it makes you think i think sometimes we get attached to things that are easy sure so we don't have to think but this yeah. it's it's really these things it's it's kind of like why Pop music is so popular. It's yeah, it's formulaic. It's it formulaic. the same. But as soon as you get that weird shit, yeah, you you just keep thinking about it. It's transcendental. You can't, you can't, you, yeah, right. it's transcendental. You you can't you can't lose thought of it. You it starts making you um, think about things that you haven't thought about before, making connections um, to your own emotions. So I think that's uh, that's a really important. Give me thing. a give me a T buck tangent corner. What what's the first thing that pops into your head that makes you think of We'll use surreal music as a perfect uh, uh, shooting off point. Now, I'm going to give you, wait, I'm going to give you an olive branch. I'm going to give you an olive branch. You can use imagery from the music. So if an album cover sticks out to you, if a, if liner notes, if the, the, even if the, the band or musician's behavior seems a little surreal, I'm going to give you that one too. So I think the first time I ever really thought about this, obviously, would be some Pink Floyd. Yes, yes. Yeah. Why? Why? The album covers, right? The album covers, yeah. So, you know, and I, I know you have some notes in here talking about that a little bit about the person who designed a lot of their album covers. But there's yep, a lot we'll of surrealism imagery and that, you know, obviously, dark side photography. of the prison. Yeah, um, the photography, like the wall, the, you know, the famous shaking hand of a shaking hand of a man on fire kind of thing you know th- those all bring up i the, another band i was just thinking of that popped in my mind there was a couple that was uh for anybody listening that is storm thorgerson is yeah. the photographer that came remember. up with all of their album covers please check out his work uh another band is tool yeah <laughs> that one immediately pops into mind especially their music videos the claymation stuff which is just like kind of uncomfortable and horrific uh apex twin apex sure absolutely all of those are perfect examples of what eventually the movement uh, gave a definition to so they um all of the uh, forefathers if you will of surrealism eventually um said that they found a method to creating surrealism a visual movement and a uh, definitive method and i quote it is to expose psychological truth, stripping ordinary objects of their normal significance to create compelling image that was beyond ordinary formal organization in order to invoke empathy from the viewer. 
And that was their methodical approach. There we go. Um, From there, you know, feel free to chime in with the pot. Again, I didn't want to talk about the politics too much. I wanted to talk about how what the art does what it's uh the definitions things like that but yes i mean we should talk about um because it is rich in the art there's there's anti-elite anti-bourgeoisie and um a lot of these guys were activists i think you know especially with brent brenton um breton breton sorry um he really wanted to push especially towards the end of the 30s and and that's where i say you almost see two different camps I really wanted. Well, to there push was it. there was two different camps, like yeah. officially. Yeah, and and the, I, he, you know, he he really pushed that towards um, being more of a political um, movement. Um, even though that, like you said, the message there was always that kind of message in there, and I think even before he wrote the manifesto for surrealism, th- there was some of that already um, uh, embedded in, in some of the stuff that he was working on, but. Um, yeah, I think like if you look at somebody like Salvador Dali, who kind of made it fun and didn't really care about the political <laughs> side of things. What a and... fucking character, too. Is that, oh, yeah. uh, please, when you're listening to this, please just Google an image of Salvador Dali. Yeah. <laughs> and look at this guy. I mean, I want to I want to hang out with him if if <laughs> we could. I want to just go and hang out. And ask, you know, just to see what a day in the life of Dolly is like. He right? had a pet anteater. Uh, God, yeah, we could do. Yeah, we could talk about him for hours and hours, just his life, his everything like that. But again, we don't have enough time in the day to do so. Uh, but uh, I think to your point, you know, art, what we love about art with NDP is looking at it through the scope of history, because there's always... There's always an establishment and then there's an antithesis to something, right? There's, there's, you know, like if you look at, um, I was one of my favorite eras of art, especially in music and different film, et cetera, is, is late sixties and seventies. I will always talk about that a lot. And we're seeing counterculture to everything, mm-hmm. right? We're seeing, the, you know, the sex revolution, the drug culture, and we're seeing, we're not seeing those levels of extremes back in the thirties and forties, but we're seeing this and uh, this, this counterculture then too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and really this movement, I think what was so important about surrealism is it came from a time when people were, I'm trying to not trying to put this in a good way. It it was, people were very proper and, um, thinking outside (laughs) the box, uh, doing something that was not the norm was was kind of frowned upon. And this really brought into our culture basically that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be different. And, and I think that's that's probably the lasting impact of the surrealist movement. And and uh, yeah, and to pull that back into our thesis, it's still God, it still lingers to this very day with so oh, many yeah. different things. And I think uh, that's a good uh, jumping off point to talk about uh, people that were sometimes maybe on the periphery, but never officially in the movement, um, and, or a little later that it was clearly uh, inspired by, but it was maybe a subgenre of of uh, surrealism. Uh, the uh, and easiest example is Picasso. 
because oh, yeah. often uh, uh, surrealism is often associated with cubism, which mm-hmm. is what he made famous, Picasso with his uh, Guernica, things like that. I've seen some of his, uh, I haven't, I don't think I've seen Guernica live, you know, at, yeah. at a museum, but I've seen uh, the three musicians. I've, I've seen a lot of his pieces. I think I gave you one once, right? Didn't I? Didn't I buy something for you? I can't remember. You're thinking of another <laughs> He's saying no. He's saying no, I can't. Okay, it's too early. I'm thinking of another t buck but uh but cubism is is a big one and futurism and i the first thing that pops in my head always when i think of futurism that is also a subgenre of surrealism is biomechanical works like hr geiger if you don't know who hr geiger is um if you've probably seen the movie alien <laughs> he's the guy that fucking created alien the long head alien you know well did the art the ridley Ridley Scott's Alien. Yeah, he did. He did the artwork for um, like years and years before it was a movie. Before this was a concept, he created these things. Yeah, and I, I think he kind of led another sort of movement into kind of that gothic kind of surrealism. Gothic, very sexual 70, too. 80s, and that's yeah. what I love about surrealism too is it it has many many branches. <laughs> I did want to take a, a moment to talk about the other notable artists in this movement to a lesser extent, um, you know, things that I, uh, let me say this, let me preface this with, um, before I get the hate, hate mail and tweets. Yes, there are a million of other artists that we could put on this list. Uh, these are the ones that really stood out to us and um, have had an impact on our lives specifically. Um, there are a lot of different other ones out there. There's a lot of other amazing ones. There's a lot of contemporary ones, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit in the gym of the week is more contemporary surreal artists. But the other ones that really stood out at this uh, this movement is Max Ernst. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Uh, <laughs> He was less, I think, I think part of the reason he really stood out to me is because I grew up a Mars Volta fan and they used a lot of his imagery and pieces into their artwork. And it wasn't really until the next one, the next one on my list that really spoke to me. Like I can look at some of his imagery, his images, his paintings. I feel uh, a very specific emotion immediately. And that's Francis Bacon because he took surrealism in more of a horror element and I see that with a lot of a lot of contemporary surreal artists really lean into the horror. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, if you look at a lot of yeah, some contemporary surrealism, even if you go back to like some of Dolly's early work, like that he did with film, there's some of those horror elements in it. Like I think one of the most famous images is the hand with the ants crawling all over it. So there's always been kind of like these um I would say that's always kind of been in the DNA too. It, it seems like from this, but yeah, if you look at a lot of his images, it's it's a lot of like body. This I want to say like body, body horror, horror, you know, yeah. like Cronenberg shit. Yeah, like the what is it, the spider with the face in it, kind of thing, or a lot of skulls. There's like a lot of there's a lot of yeah. death imagery, right? Yeah. Mortality, yeah, mortality, and it, it kind of goes back to that maybe that that part of surrealism where they were just kind of drawing what was coming to the mind. And this is probably a good segue to talking about the psychological uh, foundations of the movement that, you know, they would, uh, like Freudian type things, where they would use uh, imagery from a dream and try to paint it. Yeah, and and yeah, there was that. (laughs) They they definitely, especially with that core group, that Brenton group, that they would play around a lot in the 20s and 30s of basically just drawing whatever came to their mind they would even kind of pass drawings and kind of doodle themselves like with themselves 
like uh, just kind of these collaborative efforts to really kind of just come up with these really odd uh, imageries, uh, really focusing on the dreamlike state of uh, their consciousness and things like that. It's 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 pretty fascinating, especially when you dive into some of the stuff. How? Oh my god, it's endless too. You could spend a lifetime studying this shit. <laughs> We're trying to make a an hour long podcast episode. It, it's it's endless. You, you see some of this stuff in like uh, me being a child of psychologist. You're wondering, oh my god, like like how many psychologists have just looked at this stuff? To a lesser extent, uh, we. Uh, H.R. Geiger, of course, is on my list. We already talked about him. That's biomechanical surrealism. Um, someone that I just kept popping up more and more in my my research for this was Man Ray. He was a, a photographer. Uh, Man Ray was, you know, so before our time that, uh, well, Storm Thorgerson was before our time too, but yeah. uh, because Pink Floyd's album covers really uh, resonate with us more. I feel like as far as surreal photography goes, that's my guy, this Storm Thurgerson. Um, And then even to a lesser extent, I don't know the works of Frida Kahlo very well, but she is definitely lumped into some of this uh, more contemporary uh, surrealism that that was definitely inspired by the movement. I've never seen a Frida. I mean, I've, I've seen her pieces like online and shit, but I've never seen anything in the flesh. Yeah, I've seen a couple um, in person. I, I can't remember. I don't know the names of them off top of my head, but uh, huge influence, especially in that realm. That could be then another another topic for us to cover of her impact. I want to learn more. This is, this is the beauty of the show is I we learn a lot. You know, yeah. we, we want to learn as much as we can about this shit and I, we, we love it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know we'll more it, about we'll like her political kind of stuff. Leanings. I saw yeah. the movie, you know, with Selma Hayek playing Frida like a long time ago, and I don't remember it. So it's it's just I, lost I in I the ether of my memories. Of it too. It's 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 gone. Yeah, but the, uh, but uh, you know, she's an example of how th- you know these movements inspired other artists and how those branches. Um, how the roots ran deep and the branches spread wide. And uh, we already talked a lot about probably the music of things. Uh, Before I talk about the other things that the other artistic mediums that surrealism inspired and they're they're still touched on to this day. Is there, I'm going to, I'm going to give Buck LaFour again a little bit just to see if there's any artists that he wanted to put on the list. Yeah. One of them was probably, I was going to save it for my hidden gem, but I'll just, I'll just throw it out there. Uh, Laura Zankel. I'm not familiar. Yeah. Tell tell the good people and me who she is and why she's important. Yeah. So Laura Zankul is is considered a, one thing I'm really interested in in surrealism, didn't really realize how much of this type of imagery that I liked that was connected to surrealism until really deep in deep diving into this. But she's a photographer. She does a lot of surrealistic images with her photography. So she's really famous for doing these underwater room images. So if you've seen them before, it's usually... What's I think her the last most, name? Uh, Zankul, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right. It's a Z or Z, as they, they say across the pond. In the Canada's. <laughs> and uh, A-N-K-O-U-L. Z-A-N-K-O-U-L. Google ah, that. Okay, I pulled it up. Yeah, and I, I've I've seen these images a lot before, and I I just had no idea that this was um, this was her work so, of this one woman. Yeah. So. Oh God, I love it. Looking yeah. At it now. So it kind of screams a, a lot of like mid early uh, two thousand. Some of it, um, which I I think I originally saw this 
Uh, but yeah, a very talented photographer. Well, uh, they had like, you know Photoshop and that stuff back then. Uh, and this kind of plays into our love for Radiohead. I always think of Kid A's album cover that they uh, they had limited limited technological technological abilities at their fingertips, right? And it, um, yeah, when you see them, it, it does look aged a bit. But I think it's still I don't know. There's a timeless element to it, and yeah. uh, to me, it's 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 more of a it's more of a time capsule. But she's she's based in uh, Beirut. She's got, you know, I, I I think that's maybe dating her a little too much. I think she's been, it's, she's a little bit more, uh, more contemporary than probably, like I said, mid, mid two thousands. I think she's been doing it for 10, you know, 15 years now, but really, um, does a lot of experimentation. Check her out. She's got a really cool website with a lot of, um, a lot of work, a lot of her portfolio you can, can look through and, and it's, it's pretty cool. Cause, uh, that's that's a fun thing about me doing this is kind of realizing something that I've liked and, and putting a name to it. So I, I want to go through uh, what I call the holy trinity of pop culture art, which is uh, music, movies, and literature books. Uh, we already touched on music uh, so I'm going to move right on to literature. I feel like some of my favorite stuff probably would have never been made if it wasn't for this movement. Uh, my favorite book of all time is 1984. Uh, some would argue that it's not a traditional surrealist work, but there's so many surreal elements in it that I, I, I would I would say it's at least was very inspired by the movement. Uh, yeah. gets Slaughterhouse Five, and something I wanted to give something a little more contemporary surreal notoriety to surreal uh literature notoriety is i'm thinking of ending things i saw the movie on netflix not too long ago and talk about a fucking surreal trip i haven't i haven't seen this yet see it man i uh, you know it's one of those are are you gonna want to watch it over and over again is it like die hard no uh but uh, as far as you know opening your mind a little more uh i think i think you i don't know if you'll love it but is it it's going to stay on your mind for a while and you're probably going to do what I did, which is it, it requires homework. You're going to have okay. to look up what it was happening. Uh, what does it all mean to what is all the yeah. sim- symbolism mean? All of the, all the little uh, Easter eggs. What, uh, what special books would you add to our list here? Oh, I put them on the spot. He's giving me the look. I do this a lot because I also like, I like seeing while he's thinking, I'm going to just, I'm not going to give any dead air time. So I, I like seeing T bucks squirm a little, to see <laughs> what he comes up with too, but then we'll piggyback off of it a little bit. There's got to be a to think of any. There's got to be a surrealist work or something that seems just off that 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 really stuck out to you. Come on, I'm like I'm like trying to think of something. Okay, like, okay, it's not why, popping why, in my mind. Uh, why don't we'll come back to it? I'm gonna let, let me give me a minute. I'm going to, we're going to come back to it. We're going to jump to film. Obviously we talked about Lynchian surrealism. That's easy. My, my favorite one is Mulholland Drive. Uh, mm. I could see you being more of a Twin Peaks guy. If I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Twin Peaks with Lynch. I, I, I there's obviously a racer heads. Another one. Um, Racerhead. Yeah. I was, I was, I was on the fence of saying that one or. Yeah. But if I'm talking about Lynch stuff, if, if you really want to, <laughs> Uh, you know, kind of a cult thing with me with Lynch is more Dune. Talk about a, a surrealist work that that definitely is in there. Dune's a good one. Yeah, Dune's a good one. The book. Some other notable things on my list was uh, I love Darren Aronofsky's work. So Pie, oh, yeah. Requiem for a Dream and a lot of French films um, that I grew up watching as a as a little 
<laughs> a little art nerd. Uh, I'm, the I'm City of Lost Children. M- yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen these French films. City of, City of Lost have. Children, Delicatessen. I, that's not actually on the list, but it made me think of it. Delicatessen. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't put Terry Gilliam on here. That's like Brazil. Well, that's why we that's why uh that's why you got to add to the list. That's why we add to the list as we're yeah, talking about I it. So, to the um, list. Brazil. Oh, God. Uh there's so many good ones. What what is my favorite one is um Time Baron Munchausen? Oh, no. Yes. Yes. And and yes. And that's what started my that was crush Gillum, was Uma right? Thurman. Yeah, yeah. Uh and Uma she Thurman. was like Venus in the she movie. She was Venus right? and you could see her boob. <laughs> <laughs> we we're not above even though this is trying to be a, a little bit of a higher brow artistic yeah. show we're, we're not this about is the 12 about... year old me coming out here sorry no boobs i love sorry that, that that i just jumped into there but that was like no a, no it was a good that was my, a good tea book tangent my young one. my young life uh no i love baron munchausen I know it's a love or hate kind of, and it's a fan. It's it's film. more of a fantasy surreal, surreal. Oh film, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's kind it, of a fairy tale kind of. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairy tale is a perfect way to say it. I I, I grew up with Baron Munchausen. That that was the 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 film that really stuck. Time out to Bandits me. is another one. Time Bandits, yeah, shit. I love Time Bandits. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, that's some so, good. Shit. <laughs> that's some good shit. Twelve months. Any other. Uh, any other films? Films are easy because it's the imagery. Yeah, I, I think Aronofsky's, yeah, like you said, Pie is a good one. And to really bring it around circle, you know, our work uh, with NDP family, um, that's why it's no surprise that a lot of our imagery is surreal. Yeah, I, I think going back to what I said previously, it really changed the way uh, people perceived art um, in in the ability to kind of free think, disassociate with the norms, um, be your own person um and and really think outside of the box i mean you look at a lot of different examples of this whether it's the fur cup and tea saucer uh, all the way to film i i don't think if you didn't have this movement i don't think you would have you know a lot of the artists that we have today a lot of the music a lot of the film you have to have these these shifts and these schisms and and society and this was one of them um and and this really opened the doors i think for what even what we're doing right now you know talking openly and freely and and really expressing yourself it it just was not really considered the norm back then so it opened doors and there you have it thank you again for listening until next time be good to each other and as always good luck and godspeed we love you art of the beholder is brought to you by novo day productions Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Don't get mad at us or get mad at us. We don't care.